our meeting after the service. Uh, this is to approve the budget for 2021. Uh, if you are joining us via online, uh, please be sure uh, to dial in. The Zoom link was uh, in the newsletter that was sent out this week. Uh, the meeting I, will start like around 1130. Uh, so we'll probably be finishing the service around that time. So please be patient and we'll get started with the meeting soon. Uh, be sure to uh, just to communicate uh, who you are. Uh, via the chat, and then that way uh, Boyd can come, can monitor and kind of keep track of who is joining us via online. Uh, but anyways, we have that after the service. Uh, the second quick thing that I'll mention is that, as you know, that the, uh, that the number of cases uh, of COVID are on the rise, and I sent a newsletter this week, but just to reiterate some of the things that were in it in case you didn't get to see it, um, is that we want to continue to uh, make sure that everybody is comfortable and healthy and safe when they come in. Uh, so we will continue to do what we're doing, and that is to keep everybody uh, uh, six feet apart, asking people to uh, keep masks on, and uh, to continue to RSVP. Um, if you can, do that through, uh, do that through uh, Facebook. And this will just help us to keep at the maximum allowed uh, occupancy, uh, which is about 50% is what we're allowed to have. And uh, also, uh, be sure that, uh, that if, you are, if, you're, if you're a hugger, uh, make sure that the person that you're wanting to hug is comfortable with it. Uh, it I know that it's awkward and to, to ask, you know, can I give you a hug? But we live in awkward times and we have to do awkward things. Uh, so before you shake hands with somebody or you hug somebody, just make sure that they're okay with it. Now, if you're not comfortable with it, just make sure you communicate that beforehand. So we just want to be able to respect everybody's personal space. Um, at the same time, uh, we don't want to, uh, as long as we're allowed to, uh, we don't want to stop meeting. I don't want to discourage people from coming to service. I don't want to discourage people from uh, going to uh, their, their community group if they feel comfortable with it. Uh, because even though we, uh, we want to prioritize people's uh, physical well-being, we care about that. But at the same time, there are relational and spiritual needs uh, as well uh, that can really only be met when you are with another person uh, face-to-face. Uh, so uh, if you feel comfortable with it, you please continue to come. If you don't, uh, if you've been directed by your doctor to not uh, to come for health reasons, we understand that. That's why we have the, the live stream. Uh, and so you need to just uh, abide by your own conscience, uh, and we won't judge anybody for abiding by their conscience, whatever they feel comfortable with. So uh, with all that being said, uh, let me uh, transition over to Devin, and we can get started in our time of service. Please stand. Uh, in light of the fact that Thanksgiving is this week, uh, I felt led by the Lord to pray a prayer of Thanksgiving and just peace over us this morning before we start our worship in place of the call to worship. So if you bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we just, we thank you for another day of life. We thank you that we can gather together, Lord, and we still have the means to do so safely. Father, we thank you um, that we have the freedom to worship you in this country. Um, Father, we thank you um, for who you are to us. You're our good father. You're our provider. You're our king, and you're our savior. And Father, each of those titles is so loaded with meaning for each of us as children of God. Father, we just, we are in awe and we give you thanks and we give you praise. 
Father, I just ask that as we come in this morning that you would give us your peace, for you are the Prince of Peace. For a war of fear wages outside the doors of this room, Father, outside of our family. And Father, we just ask that you would protect us from the evil one and that you would give us grace and peace in the days to come, Father. Father, we ask um, that you would be with us as we gather um, either with just our families or with just immediate family or close friends, Father, this week. And I just ask that your gospel would be the song on our lips as we go through this week and this season of Thanksgiving. And Father, we ask for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's praise him for he is great. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, sing it out. Sings my 
He's our God and King.
just, we are in awe of you, and we give you thanks. We just ask that you would open our eyes and ready our hearts for the word that your servant will bring this morning. And Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the man of sorrows who became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. Father, we ask for all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and, <clears throat> and spend some time in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you are, for all that you have done for us. Father, when, when we read through the scriptures from the Old to the New Testament, from beginning to end, I, I don't quite see how some may say that the God of the Old Testament is a different God from the God of the New Testament. Yes, we might see a lot of the justice and the judgment of God in the Old Testament. But we still also see that in the New Testament, not only that, but you are the same God who is merciful and gracious. That is how you describe yourself. Lord, who is merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. We see from the very beginning how you called out a people for yourself. And though they continued to be disobedient, you continued to pursue them. You continued to love them. You called them your beloved. And then when Christ came, we see your very heart. We see your love in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who describes himself as gentle and lowly, he says, "All come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Lord, it's, it might be our, our tendency at times to not only see you as, as, as a loving father, we might be sometimes tempted to see you as a disappointed loving father because we are sinful, because we still make mistakes, because we still need to come to you for forgiveness of our sins. Lord, but to you, your heart is drawn to us, especially when we do sin, especially when we don't live as we are called. Rather than be disappointed, you are drawn to us. Because again, we see in the Old Testament, you are the God who is merciful and gracious. And it is our very sins that compel you to be that much more merciful and gracious to us. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for being the God that you are. We thank you, Lord, 
Because in Jesus, we see your very love. And Jesus himself said to his disciples, which is a word also to us, I am sure, that he loved his own even to the very end. And you love us today, and you will love us forevermore. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our transgressions. And may we be reminded that you are a loving Father who desires to dispense to us your, your incredible grace and your goodness to us. Father, we pray for those who are, who are sick, for those who are recovering from, from surgeries. Father, we pray that in this time, Lord, that they may rest in you. We pray that you would sustain them. We pray that you would strengthen them. We pray that you would nurture them back to good health. Father, we pray for those who cannot gather together with us because of COVID, because of weakened immune systems. Lord, we pray for them. We pray that you would sustain them. We pray that you would meet their every need. We pray that you would protect their hearts from any discouragement. Help them and help us all, Lord, to continue to trust in your word. Because it is so easy to think that you are a distance, that you are far from us, that maybe, maybe even that you have left us. But that is not what your word says. Your word reminds us that you continue to be with us, that we have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, communicating to us the very presence of God, communicating to us the very heart of God. So help us to be a people who trust in your word. Father, we pray for our dear sister, Reshma Matthews. We pray for our dear brother, Aaron Stevens. Lord, we pray for your sustaining grace to be with them, Lord. Lord, should, should their, in their situations, Lord, should they, should their state come to a lockdown, Lord, because of COVID, God, would you help them? Would you meet their every need? Would you help them, Lord, to be encouraged even in such difficult times? Father, I'm reminded of the words of Paul in Philippians 3, who says that I count everything as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Lord, may they treasure Christ. Would Christ, that we pray that Christ would be to them a surpassing value. We pray that they would rest in Jesus. As they seek direction and guidance for the future, Lord, may they rest in Christ. As they seek on, as they try to figure out how you will provide in the future, Lord, we pray that they would rest in Christ. We pray as they give themselves to, uh, to study, that they may rest in Christ. Help them to continue to just rest in Jesus Christ, that they may seek the kingdom first, then everything else would be added to them. Lord Jesus, we pray. We pray for a great awakening in New England, Lord. 
Your word tells us that man knows the truth but suppresses the truth through unrighteousness. That even all creation itself points to a creator. The word also tells us that it is the devil's work to blind the minds of unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you remove the blindness? Would you soften hearts? Lord, display your wonderful glory so that all may see. We pray that hearts would be awakened to the reality of God, to the reality of Jesus Christ and salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for an incredible and a great salvation. Please do this, Lord, for the glory of your name. Father, we pray for the country. We pray as we come into the Thanksgiving season. God, we pray for just a stillness. We pray for just some peace and some tranquility, Lord. Lord, would you... Be gracious to us and give us that this holiday season. That there would be less sin, less turmoil, less chaos in the streets. Lord, and with the Thanksgiving season being here, we pray for all those in our, in our church, Lord, those who have loved ones who are perhaps in 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 different uh, facilities for those loved ones that cannot get out of the home even to celebrate Thanksgiving with family, for those who have family in distant places but cannot meet with them because of the times, Lord, because of the pandemic or other reasons. We pray, Lord, for those who are hurting for just those emotional and spiritual needs. God, we pray that you would be with them. Would you lavish them with your grace? Would you sustain them and help them? That even as some communicate from a distance, as some communicate via live, uh, via computer on Thanksgiving Day, that some encouragement would still be communicated through a screen or through a distance. Would you encourage the saints? Would you help them? May they rest in Christ and that Christ would meet every single one of their needs. Lord, we trust you for these things. We look forward to all that you are going to do. And lastly, we join our hearts as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the scriptures. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So please turn to Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter three, where we verses sixteen and seventeen.
for continuing our series on the church. And today we're talking about what is it exactly that we're doing here on Sunday mornings when we come together. Or or what should be our aim, our goal. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we affirm and we believe in these words written down for us, that your word is breathed out, that these are your very words, and that they are profitable. Lord, so we pray that we may profit from your word, not only from the time that we have as we listen, but that we may profit from the word as we sang out truths, that we may profit from your word as we gather together and as we pray together the glorious truths of who you are. So we pray that you would profit us, that, these, that the word would be profitable to us today. Because, and we know that we can rest assured that they will be because they are not my words, but they are your words. And your words have that kind of effect. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to try to explain something to you that you may be probably unfamiliar with, an experience that you maybe have, have never had before. That's kind of, and that's in a, a feeling or an experience of transcendence. And maybe you've had that kind of experience before. Many people feel or experience this when they go, for example, into uh, kind of an old cathedrals. And old cathedrals are kind of designed to have that kind of, to help facilitate that kind of experience of transcendence. Because with the, the way that they're designed, the, 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 the tall ceilings, the large stained glass windows, and I've heard of people who enter these cathedrals and it's like they're entering into another world. That the conversations have stopped. Everything on the outside seems to just kind of disappear. And there's just an awe of something that they can't really explain. And the old cathedrals are intended to kind of, are designed to kind of help have this feeling of transcendence, of kind of this, this other world intruding into your own, this fear, this reverence, this awe. Right? And compare that to modern-day church architecture. Right? Many churches today don't really look like churches. They might look like just a large building, and they might have uh, stadium seating with, uh, seat, with, uh, uh, with seats that are, are facing in the same direction that is downward towards a large stage. And my point is not to try to uh, be critical towards the many modern-day architecture, but the designs are very different, obviously. Now, you can certainly go into a cathedral and worship at a cathedral and not have that feeling of transcendence or fear or reverence or awe. And you can certainly go into a modern-day church building and many churches, especially church plants, meet, don't meet in a traditional building. They might meet in 
say, a, a church gym because they don't have a building, but you can certainly have that kind of experience of transcendence. And to kind of get some idea of what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor and go home and Google just universe and look up the images. And you might come across uh, a picture where it's actually pointing to you our particular galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And it'll look like just a tiny blip in this expansive universe. And just think about what you're looking at. And you might end up with a feeling of just how finite and how small you are. If you get that feeling, then you kind of know what I'm talking about, this feeling of transcendence. Something much bigger than you. My point kind of getting to talking about that is to kind of get to the question of why do we assemble? Why do we come together? We come, yes, to worship the Lord, but the intention, the idea behind, for some, some people, is to simply be entertained. Right? And it's easy to want to be entertained and we, because we naturally go to entertainment. It's the way that we seek comfort sometimes. It's the way that we seek relaxation after long days work. We want to be entertained. We don't want to, want to think about anything. And it's easy to come into a service, no matter what kind of building you're gathering into, with this feeling of wanting to be entertained. But instead, we should be coming right to worship God. I think of the experience that Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6, where he's standing before the presence of God, and he says, Woe is me, I am undone, because I am in the presence of a holy God. Like in the Old Testament, when he had the tabernacle, when he had the temple, God always filled up the temple with his very presence. And the New Testament teaches us that the church, not, necessarily, not, the, not the building, but the people that make up the church, that is the church, and the church... Is meant to be filled up with the very presence of God, with Christ as the head. Does God care how we worship? And the answer is yes, absolutely. God cares how we worship. Again, thinking about Isaiah's experience filled with reverence, feeling a sense of transcendence as he's standing before a huge and holy God. But at the same time, we read of David and his celebratory response. I mean, David danced. And so we have these two different reactions, these two different attitudes when it comes to standing before the presence of God. And both are absolutely appropriate. There should be, I think, a balance of reverence, this feeling of transcendence, and at the same time, a celebratory attitude. Why? Because we are saved by God, saved through Jesus Christ. We have this incredible salvation. We have these incredible blessings through Jesus Christ, and that is worthy of celebration. So then, how do we maintain a good balance of both? Right? Having this reverence, and at the same time, wanting to celebrate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the best way, the most effective way of maintaining a balance between the, both of those is through the word. So, we have to, I think, be intentional 
and deliberate about what we do on Sunday mornings, not just give it a second thought, not just kind of wing it and wing it week by week, but what exactly are we doing? What is the purpose behind our doing, our, our gathering together? Why do we sing? Why do we pray? Why do we preach the Word? All of these different things. We want to be intentional and deliberate about why we do these things. And so I think the best way that we can be intentional and deliberate about how we worship the Lord on Sunday mornings is that we do strive to do five things. We read the Word. We see the Word. We pray the Word. We sing the Word. And we preach the Word. So essentially, we're looking to center ourselves in the Word of God. So I want to take each of those. So the first... Read the word. In 1 Timothy 4.13, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor, says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, devote yourself to teaching. So the reading of Scripture and the exhortation and the teaching has to also, I think, include the exhortation and teaching that comes from the Scripture. I mean, what else would Paul encourage Timothy to do besides teaching and exhorting and reading the Scriptures? And in the passage that we began with, that we opened up with in 2 Timothy 3.16, it tells us about the sufficiency of the Scriptures. It tells us that it is profitable, right, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be completely equipped for every good work. And if you combine that passage with Ephesians chapter 4 and the ministry of the pastor, elders, and teachers, that is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, how else are they to do that apart from the Word of God? Right, if the Word of God is profitable for equipping you and training you in righteousness that you may be complete, then it has to come through the Word of God because only the Word of God has that kind of profit. Only the Word of God has that kind of benefit. So in other words, we need to be saturated in the truth. And we see this scattered throughout the New Testament. The truth being synonymous with the Word of God. We're commanded, for example, in Ephesians, to speak the truth in love in order that we may together grow and mature. So in other words, speaking the Word in love. We are also commanded to put away falsehood and speak the truth to one another. We're also commanded to love in truth. We're also commanded to keep the truth or to keep the word of God, keep the commandments of the Lord. Where Jesus says that, that we ought to abide in him. And how do we abide in him? By keeping his word, by keeping what he has said to us. Colossians 3.16 tells us as a church to let the word of God dwell in you richly. Right, that means you need to be saturated with the Word of God. That means you need to be in the Word of God. You cannot have the Word of God dwelling in you richly if you're never in the Word of God. Second Peter 1 says that we ought to be grounded and established in the truth. Again, that is the Word of God. 
we ought to do these things, we're commanded to do these things because the Word of God profits us much. And only the Word of God profits us in those ways that we may be trained and equipped for every good work, being trained in righteousness. And the fact that the Scripture is breathed out by God speaks to the authority of those Scriptures. That those words, that these very words are breathed out by God means that they come from the very mouth of God. And if they come from the very mouth of God, then it comes with His authority. That means that we ought not, that means that we don't have the option to disobey. That we don't have the option to look to something else. That the word of God comes with the authority of God. And First Peter one twenty three tells us that we are born again through the living and abiding word of God. That speaks to the power and the authority of the word of God. That it is the very, very word of God that caused you to be born again. Jesus tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why? Because the word profits us. And because the word of God is the word of God. It comes with his authority. So when we come together, right, we, there should be an expectation. There should be a desire to want to hear from God. So we want to, and to center ourselves in the word of God because the word of God is the means through which God speaks to us. And God always has something to say. And so when we come together, we always begin, normally we always begin with some kind of invocation, a call to worship. Right? We begin, we begin with the word of God as opposed to, say, a devotional reading or thought. Those might be helpful, that might be good. But again, if we're thinking about the profitability, the, the benefits that we have from the Word of God, if we think about the authority of the Word of God, my coming to you and opening up with some devotional thought doesn't come with any authority. That's just my thoughts. We don't begin with a personal word of encouragement that might be helpful for you. But again, it's not my word of encouragement that's going to benefit you. It's the word of God that ultimately has that kind of benefit where you will be equipped so that you may be complete. I mean, what is the beginning? What does our beginning with the word of God communicate? At, least, at the very least, it communicates that God is the one who has the first word. And I'm not saying that we should always, that we should be very strict and always begin with the Word of God. Like sometimes, like today, we began with prayer. I think that's, that is, I think it's helpful at times. Sometimes it's just necessary. But I think the regular pattern is that we open up with the Word of God. Let the Word of God have the first say. I mean, if you think of the Genesis, the beginning of all things began with the Word of God. God spoke things into existence. So we want to have God have the first say. And then we conclude normally with a benediction. We don't conclude with some closing remarks. Hey, thanks for coming. I'm so glad you came. So glad that you were here. You know, because at least for me personally, it feels like I've come to entertain you. 
We don't end with a prayer, though that is sometimes necessary, that sometimes that is helpful. But normally we end with a word, a word from the Scriptures, a word from God, because we want God to have the final say. We want to communicate that the service, that our time together begins and ends with God. And quite frankly, we want to center ourselves in the Word of God because for some of you, you've probably spent very little to no time in the Word of God all week. No, I get it. Life happens. Things get busy. Some of you have kids. And it's hard to make the time to get into the Scriptures even for 15 minutes. I get that. Sometimes it is just pure laziness. But for whatever reason it is, Right, if you spent a whole week not in the Word of God or very little in the Word of God, then I want to make sure that you are hearing the Word of God. I want to make sure that you are receiving the Word of God when you come on Sunday mornings because it is the Word of God that should be the means of encouragement to you or correction or rebuke or the Word of God should be the means by which you are abiding in Christ. Well, that is, I mean, that's not an option. Jesus says that that is the means by which we abide in him, by, through his very word. <clears throat> so when you come on Sunday mornings, feed yourself on the word of God. As we read scripture, as you're listening to the preached word, feed yourself on the word of God. Be encouraged by the word of God. Receive the word of God. Because the word of God is what you need most. Because the Word of God is what will sustain you through another week. So we aim to read the Word. We also aim to see the Word. And what does that look like? Well, we have the visible Word, as Augustine would say, through the sacraments of the church, or the covenant signs, as some might call it, which is baptism, and the Lord's Supper, where Jesus commands his disciples to go into all the world, teaching people to observe the commandments, uh, baptizing, right? Baptism is one of the, is, is the second commandment of the Lord after believing in repentance. These, these covenant signs, the Lord's Supper and baptism, they affirm, they reaffirm for us when we see them, when we celebrate them, they affirm for us the new covenant in Jesus' blood, that this is a covenant of grace, that we have come into this covenant of grace, that we are saved through Jesus Christ, that we have eternal life in his name. And so we see, oh, so in, in baptism, what we see is a public identification of somebody coming to be identified with Christ and his church, no longer being identified by the world, and no longer being identified as a child of sin. And baptism, baptism is the public proclamation of union with Christ and union with Christ's church. Baptism is commanded as a public demonstration of repentance. Right, this is a covenant sign. And so I think I'm, I'm thankful for, uh, for when the church uh, grows from, being, from 
being relocated and for other reasons. I'm thankful for that. And I want to continue to see the, uh, the, the church grow numerically. But I want to, and I hope that you'll pray with me, that I pray that that numerical growth will, be, will also include many baptisms. People who will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And baptism is a celebratory event as well. When we see a baptism, even though the person, when they believe in Jesus Christ, they immediately become a member of the household of God. But baptism is a way that we can visibly see and welcome that person into the household of God. We're saying that you are now, not you were before as you would have believed in Jesus, but we can see now with our own eyes that you are a brother or sister in Christ. And we celebrate that. So we pray and hope that the Lord will give us many more baptisms for the glory of his name. And then we have the Lord's Supper. Paul says, I, deliver, I receive in 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is a tangible reminder of the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. It reminds us of the gospel. I mean, both baptism and the Lord's Supper are actually visible representations of the gospel itself. And the Lord's Supper also points us to a wonderful and great banquet that awaits us in heaven. So we try to strive to read the word, to see the word, and thirdly, to pray the word. In Matthew 21, Jesus says that my house, Jesus is concerning his church, that his church will be a house of prayer for all nations. And this is not to say that prayer, that we are only praying through passages of Scripture, though that's helpful, that's profitable. I wouldn't discourage that. But prayer should be saturated or should be permeated with the language of Scripture. Quite personally, I mean, I think this is an area of improvement for me. I want to commit to making sure that the time that we have in pastoral prayer is permeated with the language of Scripture, right, rather than just any kind of ambiguous language. But it's also part of the reason why we do the Lord's Prayer each week, right, because this is a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. This is a prayer that is in the Scriptures, and we want to pray the Word of God. And prayer, right, we, we sing to the Lord, we listen to his word, but prayer is a moment when we can actually go before the Lord and actually communicate with him and plead and pray and beg for the various needs that we have, the things, the desires of our hearts. It's a moment where we can exercise our faith in the Lord Jesus. And so when we come into that time of prayer, don't see it as a time when we are lifting up these words that are going into thin air. Like we are coming before the very presence of God. We are talking to God. We are communicating with God. We are praying to God. 
And so these prayers, these things that we are saying are not going on deaf ears. And during that time, you are encouraged, right, to, to pray with me. You're encouraged to get on your knees if you'd like. Because this is a time when we are going before the presence of God and making our requests known to him. And we want to focus on praying on Sunday mornings and making sure that the prayer is saturated with the language of Scripture. Because for many of you, I mean, I can't say that for sure, but for some of you, you may not have spent any or very little time in prayer at all during the week. And so let the moment, the short, brief time that we have together be a time when you come together with the church to pray to God. We want to pray the word. And fourth, we want to sing the word. So we want to proclaim truth through song. Psalm 98 one says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. In Acts 16.25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Ephesians 5.19 says that we ought to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Singing, because you're not aware, is an act of worship to the Lord. We see this throughout in the, New, in the Old Testament when there was a deliverance that people immediately went to, they broke out into song. I mean, it was like musicals. And we see Paul and Silas. We see, we read the apostles being chained, being in prison, singing to the Lord. Singing is an act of worship to the Lord. And when we're thinking about songs, and praying or singing the word, what we mean is that songs should be permeated with the language of Scripture. The songs should be theological. We should be singing about the Trinity. We should be singing about the Holy Spirit. We should be singing about Jesus Christ. We should be singing about God. We should also be singing about man, but not in a way that makes us the center of the universe, not to communicate that we are the ones who save ourselves, but when we sing about man, what I mean is that we are singing about our need for Christ. We are singing, and in a way, we're, we're praying through song. That the Lord may help us, that the Lord may guide us. We should be singing about salvation, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because right? you haven't noticed that song we sang, Man of Sorrows, is pure, pure gospel. And if we're thinking about being intentional and deliberate, two ways that I think about how that translates into the songs that we sing. If you want to be intentional, it means that not every song is a congregational song. Right? Just because a song is, a, is in the top 10 Christian hit list doesn't mean that is a good congregational song to sing on Sunday mornings. God's Not Dead, You're Surely Alive might be a nice, great, catchy song but in my opinion, it's not a very good congregational song. And quite frankly, I don't really know what it means to have God living in my heart and roaring like a lion. I have no idea what that even means. 
which is what I mean by using the language of Scripture. It's not language of Scripture. Now, you can listen to the song if you want in your, in your drives in the car. You can listen to it in the home. That's fine. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm not saying it's a sinful song. I'm just saying it's not a congregational song. And I also say this, that not every Christian song is a Christian song. Believe it or not, there are some songs out there that are Christian. They come from Christian ministries, come from Christian people, and you can sing to them in your homes and whatever else, and that's totally fine, right? No judgment here, but there are some songs out there that you have no idea who you're singing to. Has no mention of God, has no mention of Jesus, has no mention of the Holy Spirit. So technically, you can invite a devil worshiper and the Mormons in our backyard to come together, and we can sing to kind of these songs, and... No, everybody would have a great time with it because the song doesn't tell you who you're directing the song to because it doesn't tell you who you're addressing the song to, right? But we want to, we don't want it to, we don't want to leave it to the individual to determine who they're singing to. We want it to be absolutely clear in the song who we're singing to. Are we singing to God? Are we singing to Christ? Are we singing to the Trinity? Are we singing to the Holy Spirit? And I would encourage you, I know it's difficult with masks on, but sing. Right? I'm encouraged that even behind masks, I can, I can hear, sitting up front, I can hear you guys all sing. And that's deeply encouraging. But I want to continue, continue to encourage you to continue to sing and even sing louder. I mean, again, we're, this is intended to not only be a time where we are... Uh, standing before the presence of a transcendent God, but this is a time where we can celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ and our salvation. There should be a celebratory nature to our worship. I mean, can you, I mean, just think about one of the songs that we just sang this morning. I mean, just, and sings, my soul, my savior, God to thee, how great thou art. Is it really that great? If, it, if that's really how it comes across. Right, but all I'm saying is that don't be ashamed to just exclaim, just, just shout out how great the Lord is. Feel free to raise your hands. Feel free to get down on your knees to worship. Feel free to clap your hands. We don't discourage any of those things. We want to rejoice in worshiping the Lord Jesus for all that he has done and for, all that, and for who he is. And then lastly, we preach the word. That is, we preach the Bible exclusively. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Romans 10, 14 says, How then when they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And it tells us that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Remember, Paul said that the word of God is breathed out by God. It is profitable. That the man or woman of God may be equipped for every good work and may be complete. So the authority and benefit doesn't come from preaching stories. Anybody who gets up and just takes a passage of scripture and just launches into a bunch of stories, it's not preaching. 
Your stories might be helpful. Stories might be entertaining. Stories may have some encouragement to you, but it doesn't come with the authority of God. If it doesn't come with the authority of God, it's not going to profit you like the Lord intends. Don't aim to preach culture. Right, though understanding the culture is helpful, but if you really want to understand the culture and how to live in the culture, then you need to saturate yourself with the Word of God. If you don't preach politics, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm honestly really tired of politics. <laughs> with this whole year and everything that's going on right now, I'm so tired of politics. We don't preach stories, we don't preach culture, we don't preach politics. We aim to preach the Word of God. We should desire an increased understanding of his word, to know what it says, to understand what it says, to, what, to know what it means for my life, what it means for your life. The word of God is what instructs us on how to live, how to conduct ourselves in this world. The truth of God's word is what shapes us. And here's like another reason why why we aim to, to center ourselves in the Word of God on Sunday mornings, because everything out there in the world is trying to disciple you. Everything out there is trying to teach you. Everything is out there is trying to mold your heart. The world is trying to get you to think the way that the world thinks. And this is a moment, a brief moment, where we can come and be reminded of the Word of God. Because God means or intends to disciple you, to train you, to equip you, to help you to understand the world through the lens of Scripture. Truth has to be what shapes us. And just a quick word for those who might be watching via live stream. Don't ask how I know this, but I know this. Some of you don't watch the entire service. Some of you just skip to the sermon, which, I'm, which is great. I'm glad you do. But if we're trying to center ourselves in the Word of God, reading Scripture, very beginning, praying together as a church, then I would encourage you, or even if you're here and, you're, and you happen to be at a time where you are watching the live stream, don't just skip over to the, serv- to the sermon. Or maybe you're skipping the sermon and you just want to watch the worship. Whatever the case may be, and my encouragement is to watch and engage with the entirety of the service. And if you are the regulars who watch via live stream, I know that things might be difficult and you may not get to it until later in the day, but I would strive to do it at the time that the live stream starts. At 10.30, engage, be with the church. Though I'm not from a distance, it's very different, but at least take part with the church in that way and see the service through from beginning to end. Because I believe in the Word of God. I believe that the Word of God profits you. I believe that our time in prayer profits you. I believe that the Word of God can shape you, and you are cutting yourself out from a lot of the Scripture when you're only taking in just a portion of the service. The word of God is the word of life for the saints and for the unbeliever. 
right? The Word of God is what gives you life, is what caused you to be born again as a child of the living God. Right, for unbelievers, right, for everybody, life is difficult. There are hardships. And rather than give you a word of, that might encourage you and sustain you through the rest of the week, what's most necessary, what is most helpful is to believe in Jesus. to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Whereas for any unbeliever who comes into the service for whatever reasons, that is the word of encouragement that I would give to them time and time again. Believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Right? You need to be reconciled to God. You need to be forgiven of your sins. And that only comes by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to trust in him. Repent of your sins. That is the word of encouragement. And for you, dear Christian, the word of God is the word of encouragement for you. The word of God is what gave you life in the first place. The word of God is what will sustain you today. And the word of God is what will keep you until the very end. The word is the means by which we abide in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the word is what's going to sustain you. Not any word that I have to say, not any prayer that I might pray to you, that I'm open and willing to pray for you, that's what you want. But you need to seek encouragement through the word of God. A question I don't address as well as I think I should when I go through the work of preparing the Sunday morning sermon is how is this sermon going to help you abide in Christ? I think that should be the question that we all ask ourselves at the conclusion of every service. How did the word, whether it's through the preached word, how did the word through song, whatever it may be, how did the word of God, how does the word of God help me abide in Christ today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, until I get to the next Sunday and come again to receive the word of God again? The word has to be what sustains us and helps us. This word is what we strive for. So that's what we strive to center ourselves with on Sunday mornings, the word of God. So we strive to read the word, to sing, to pray to see, and to preach the word of God. All to the glory of God. Let me pray. Lord, we Jesus, you are the word. Reading First John in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, you are the Word. And so to be Word-centered is to be Christ-centered. And that's ultimately what we're striving for on Sunday mornings, Lord. Lord, so would you help us to center ourselves on you?
not only in these mornings, Lord, when we come together, but may we do that every single day. Help us to center ourselves in Christ because we need Christ. We need him as the living and abiding word. Help us to drink deeply from the word of God so that the word of God may dwell in us richly, so that we may exude the word of God, so that the word of God may be abiding in us, to sustain us, to help us, to strengthen us, to encourage us through the trials and difficulties of this life. Help us, Lord, to these ends. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand. In 1 Samuel 16, it says, Do not look at his appearance or stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all song in itself 
It's not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. And on and on and on and on. 
And as we come to our time of benediction, be strengthened in these words from Ephesians 6. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything, take your stand. Stand therefore with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all saints. Brothers and sisters, as you go about your week, remind yourselves that in order to stand against the forces of darkness, to stand against the things that would come to tear us down or try to take our eyes off of Christ, we must be rooted in his word. We must, be, we must stand firm in the truth because it's only by that our faith may increase. You are dismissed until we return again, Lord willing, and a 10-minute break before we have our church meeting.
We'll get started momentarily. I just want to remind those that are attending via Zoom that they have the ability to chat. There is a little icon at the bottom of your screen that says chat. So that way you can activate that. Any questions coming from those that are online can be addressed to Boyd. Boyd will then uh, refer them to the moderator or to someone in the congregation if that's necessary. But uh, are we ready to convene or get underway? If you're expecting me to see you, I'm blinded by a certain light. Yeah, we're good. We're, all, we're good. Okay. I hope you all signed in as you came in and also picked up a packet from the back of the sanctuary on the table that lists the uh, order of business as well as a number of other documents that support the presentation of the Bible and the presentation of the membership report, etc. So... Uh, I think at this point in time, we're ready to call ourselves to order for the uh, November 22nd meeting of the Seacoast Community Church. Um, so let me do that. We have an order of business that was an agenda on the back of the room and is a, certainly appropriate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. <clears throat> Lord, we pause right now at the beginning of our regular scheduled business meeting, really a congregational meeting, a meeting of believers who are dedicated to proclaiming the Word of God to the Seacoast area and beyond. Lord, we ask you to uh, hear our hearts as we share uh, the uh, budget presentation, that you'll understand that our desire is to make a difference not only here inside the church, but outside in the world. And so, Lord, give us a great time of sharing and discussing the future needs and future ministries and all for your glory and not for ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, uh, Marissa, do we have a quorum? Okay, we have a quorum, so we'll, we'll press on. Uh, we do have... Um, one item of old business, and that's the approval of the minutes of our meeting of last September 27th. They were included in the packet, the top page. Um, I don't think it's necessary to read every page, but if you scan down, you'll see the secretary's report, the membership report, the finance report, and other ministry area reports. And so my question is, is there any comments, errors, omissions, corrections that you would like to make on the minutes of our prior meeting. I'll give you a moment to scan it. I'll accept a motion to approve. I see Gene Smith's hand. I see Devin seconded it. Uh, so we have a motion to approve, a second by Devin Farley. All those in favor of approving the minutes as presented, signify by raising your right hand. Those that are opposed by like sign. Okay, the minutes are approved without negative comment. Okay. Uh, next in your packet is a membership report. 
dated November 22nd. Um, the pastor has pulled this together, and on his behalf, I'll share it with you. Uh, we submit the following membership record for acceptance of Seacoast Community Church. As of November 22nd, Seacoast Community Church has 66 members on the official membership roster. The following details cover that period. We've had uh, two families uh, elect to join us and has gone through the Discovering Seacoast class. We have the formal letter from Dick and Rhonda Law, who have joined another church, and they have officially notified us of that effect. Um, this requires a vote, a motion, and a second. Um, do I see a motion to accept the membership report? I see Rhonda Stevens in the front row here making the motion to accept. Do I see a second? Uh, I'm going to go with Lynn Young this time. Um, so uh, it's been moved and seconded. Um, all those in favor signify raising your right hand. All those are opposed by like sign. Okay, motion is carried. Next is the presentation of the 2021 budget. Um, this also will ultimately lead to a motion for acceptance. Um, I do want to make some comments before we open up the floor for discussion. Uh, the proposed budget that you received electronically on November 9th and 12th um, reflects eight weeks of meetings with every member of Seacoast Community Church that has responsibility of identifying future needs. And in most cases, I received written requests and then populated a budget worksheet with all of their requests on it. Uh, no adjustments were made to their request until they had been validated. So I ask you to look at the proposed budget for 2021. And for those that aren't comfortable with budgets, let me try and make it easy for you. On the left-hand margin are the seven major budget categories. 6,200 is the number in the upper left-hand corner. And then it goes all the way down to 6,800 at the lower left-hand corner. And within those eight major categories are multiple budget line items, all of which have been adjudicated with the owner of that line item. So let's do a quick drive-by so I can point out a couple of revisions, if you will. As you go down the 6200 series, pretty straightforward, but 6205, as you can see from the comments column, lumps children education and adult education through Sunday school in one bucket. Uh, it's been recommended, and I concur, that we should break that out so that we can focus on the reality that we're trying to restart a children's ministry. And I will separate out the children from adults, but there will be no impact on the bottom line. <coughs> um, you go to the 6300. Uh, everybody got what they asked for, but I draw your attention to the comments column. Um, I show you the comments column because there's a number of uh, other pots of money that can be used known as designated accounts, and you see them listed there. They're also supported by the page immediately following the budget. It shows a list of all the designated accounts. So a person has the ability to either use budget money 
or designated account money as long as it serves the same purpose. And you'll see that there are many places in the worksheet where a budgeted line item has a backup in a designated account. Look at the 6400 series. I have to state that 6404A and B are estimates. They're based on a percentage of giving, and so there's no real way to guarantee those numbers, but they will take care of themselves as, as time goes by. Uh, 6404C is a placeholder. We have no plans to reopen the soup kitchen at this time. 6404D and E are also, in a sense of the word, placeholders. They're there for possible future use. I would say that's dependent upon giving that will support them, and I would probably recommend we revisit them uh, at the mid-year review. 6500 series, pretty straightforward. Uh, note 6503 licensing appears to have been reduced from 4,000 to 600. That's a deceptive thing because what I've done is reallocated licenses into other areas of the budget. The license requirement didn't go away, but where it resides in the budget uh, is different than before. So in essence, I put all music licenses under music, all admin licenses under admin, all uh, maintenance licenses under maintenance. So instead of lumping them into one line, we spread them out into different areas. Uh, 6600 has strong potential to come in under budget. For example, uh, we just redid the snow removal contract yesterday and we've negotiated it downward, but I couldn't change the budget in time. We also changed trash removal from once a week to once a month. And so that, that kind of thing is going to probably drive a lot of the uh, estimates for utilities down. And to the degree that COVID keeps us in the current worship style, it'll also soften those numbers as the year goes by. Uh, 6605D covers a lot of interesting things, including the elevator inspection, the boiler room furnace inspection, the fire alarm monitoring system inspection, the annual test of all fire extinguishers in the building, and the annual permit to operate an assembly that's issued by the city of Portsmouth. So there are a lot of interesting things there, but they're all fixed. 6700 is technology. Uh, this is a presumption of the, to cover ourselves for possible future failures like cameras, projectors, bulbs. All of that's unpredictable, but we've got it there to cover ourselves if we get to that point. <laughs> 6800 series covers salaries, benefits, payroll tax, all the payments for hourly workers such as janitor, worship leader, and administrative assistant, etc., as well as legal services, insurance, premiums, and office supplies. So as the question always is posed as relates to the bottom line of 191000 is it attainable? And the answer lies in the question, is the future or is the past a predictor of the future, I should say? And I would suggest that relaxation of COVID protocols is no guarantee, and it also could hinder growth, although we continue to have visitors week after week, including today. But so far, 
for every departure, if you will, there's been a new family join. Um, and so income is a function of multiple things. It's a function of general giving and stock giving and interest earned. And those charts that discuss the trend in all three, uh, in two of those areas is also attached. So we have a general giving trend line in your packet. And it shows that we're probably going to end the current year at around 198,000 uh, receipts this year in stock and general giving. The actual stock numbers year to date are on the next page, and the year is not out yet. And as you can see, for the last several years, uh, December has been a good month for receipt of stock gifts. Um, so that's the trend line for stock. You see the trend line for giving, and the question is, is it attainable? And I don't know. Uh, 2020, projected income, 198000 2021, projected income of 191 is a $6,000 difference. Um, and I can also say I've identified unofficially, of course, uh, where there's a projected savings in 2021 from certain areas of our budget, not the least of which is the utilities area. So um, that's the budget opening remarks. Just wanted to help you understand what you're looking at. I'll open up the floor and the website viewers for any questions you may have, and I'll do my best to answer them or point to someone else in the audience that has ownership of that budget line. Jay? Uh, there is a question online. I'm going to read it off. Yes. Uh, this is from Sarah Parker. Oh, Will, sorry. Will Parker. Uh, so that, uh, the, this is a comment. I love how we are dedicated to missions, and I agree with what Ademi said in his sermon last week, that our focus for local ministry should be on relational evangelism, not cold knocking on doors, etc., our missions budget, though, only has 1.2% going to outreach. And for equipping our members to do this, we have Sunday school and discipleship funds, which total to $350. Should we have a bigger focus on equipping ourselves for outreach in our budget? Based on the numbers, it doesn't seem like it is a large of monetary priority as we talk about in church. Okay, I hope I heard the question, but it seemed to be that the focus is not enough on outreach. As you look at the missions list, uh, everything on here um, is money going to groups outside the body of believers. The, the money is going to either individuals that are on the mission field or individuals in seminary or in the case of crew, it's a, a graduate of our church who's working Campus Crusade for Christ at UNH. Farming and Conference Center is also a place where God is working in young people's lives in summer camps. Uh, Operation Christmas Child, as we celebrated last week, all of those boxes are going to uh, countries that are war-torn, that have kids that are not going to have a Christmas unless people in, get involved. So that 6,400 really is a heart of our church. We've always been mission-minded. We have budget items in designated accounts that also 
can be used to support missions work. Um, Yeah, the outreach uh, is more for events that are in the area. We can't do group large events anymore. We, uh, all the community events like Market Day or Market Square, children's events in Market Square, places that we've often supported in the past um, have been suspended or canceled by the city. Sometimes we can piggyback those and make an outreach event. Um, so. Outreach is, uh, looks like a small number, and it is, uh, but I would say at a lot, for all of these, uh, when we present the end-of-year budget in April, we can also revisit any of these if giving increases. Um, we've made some presumptions that the past is a predictor of the future. We've made certain assumptions that the church will continue to grow with new members to offset those that leave. So really, uh, there, it's always a budget is an estimate, but I would say missions um, is an area of strength of our church. Um, we, we've always focused on that um, less than focusing on ourselves. Yeah, if I may add, uh, I think the question was more directed to the the 6200 series, so they're getting that 350 from uh, Sunday School and Discipleship. Uh, so, yeah, so that so the uh, 6200 is more focused in, internally. I think the, the question was, like, well, how do we equip ourselves internally to go out uh, externally to outreach and things like that? Um, and so for that, I, I think I, I would point people, I would point, I guess, the, the question to the, uh, the next sheet, the balance sheet. It has a designated accounts. Uh, so there is uh, the 3,700. There's a, a church growth and multiplication. Um, and then uh, short-term missions would all kind of, I think, fall under that category as well uh, for equipping uh, our church uh, for outreach. And so uh, so the so the 6,200 uh, under budget right, is focused more on uh, education, discipleship, learning, and growing. But then I would, I would point to the the next page and the designated accounts, are, which are focused more on on outward, on outreach, local outreach, and so that's uh, and so I, I so that uh, that three fifty is not I guess reflect doesn't reflect just the uh, the I guess the the outward focus uh, that I think we that we do have. So if if that makes any sense, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I, I hope that answered the question, um, Rhonda.
changing that 150 into discipleship segment to reflect our values better? Is that something we could change right now? And I know Jay's having trouble hearing, so I, that's why I'm kind of shouting. <laughs> and what I suggested, and we kind of had a, initially decided to put off, was that children was on my heart, and for a good curriculum for children, it's 500 a year. And so we were talking about adding that, but then we talked about waiting. Because Will brought it up, I'm wondering if we shouldn't wait. Should we make a change now? Um, we could obviously make a change on the floor. My intent is to add Children's Church. I sent an email to our bookkeeper saying there's a gap between 6201 and 6205, as you see on this worksheet. What is 6202, 3, and 4? I think one of them is children. And so, unfortunately, our bookkeeper has gone to Georgia and couldn't respond to the last-minute request to break out children. What I am recommending is to break out children from adults and give enough money to buy the first quarter of the curriculum. And we can then also augment that with a designated account that I'm recommending be 3070, uh, and that has a value in it of around $480. But, but if we're looking at just um, adding it to discipleship, is that what you recommend? Well, adding it to Sunday school. Yeah. yeah, Sunday school is right now lumped, as you see here, children and adults. When the final version is printed, it'll split that out and have a children's line separate from the adult line. Can we add that now, today? We can certainly add the line if that's what you're talking about. The money. And you want more than 120? You want more than the first quarter of materials? Oh, yeah. I, I, I would like us to show in our budget what we're investing for the year so that if somebody looks at this budget, they don't see 150. Right. They see whatever we want to, and I think maybe will is talking about adding something maybe even more for adults, too, right? Not being really well, the adult Sunday school director was consulted. <laughs> now, we could add, we could utilize discipleship any way we want. It's, a, it's sort of a generic category. Normally, that was for adult education, um, books and materials to train people in discipleship. Um, but if we want, we can certainly take a motion from the floor and amend this to increase any one of these line items. Um, just recognize that the final version will have children broken out from adults. And if you want more than 120 as the initial allocation, then we should raise that now as a motion and amend the budget. Yeah, I'm confused. I don't know if you're talking about Sunday school prices or if you're talking about how much we get to the mission. No. <laughs> He's talking about the 6200. He's talking about the discipleship in Sunday school. So it's kind of... In, in, uh, 
uh, internally. Okay. Yeah. So I think if you compare the 26,000 to 1,000, compare 26,000 to 1,000, is that what Will's talking about? Is there a way to converse with him? A way. Because if we're saying that relational evangelism is most important to us, which is what you said last week, but we're investing 26,000 into outside missions and only 1,100 something and training us to be disciples and to share the gospel, is, does that reflect our value? Does that reflect what we really want? I'm just trying to clarify his question and my question to it. What can we do? Mm-hmm. I guess some of that is, and I know some of them are it's talking to the people who teach, like maybe James Christian talks that much because he spends hours and hours preparing his Sunday school hour and gives his time rather than money. Or if we're going to add money to the budget besides children's ministry, what is that going to? Like it sounds like it deserves an actual sit down with people, whether that be Will or others, who want to step up and train and equip people and how that money would be used rather than adding a ton of money and figuring out how we'll use it later on. Whereas the children's ministry, you're saying this will be for curriculum of that kind of But as far as adding for adults and church wide, it seems like we would need to connect that to actual ways that we plan on equipping a thing rather than just adding a ton of money for the sake of what it looks like and then figure out how to spend it later. Okay, the benefit of our audience at home. There's a dialogue going on the floor regarding the best way to uh, break out an increased emphasis on children's uh, education uh, to better reflect our desire that that's an area that we want to grow into. Um, And so that we can accept a motion on the floor to increase that, um, but we need to have a specific amount in the budget line you want increased. Uh, Susan Patton. My preference preference would be to have some kind of game plan for the monies going into children and adult discipleship to have some kind of game plan. This is my preference to have a game plan instead of just inserting money in those lines. Um, and to clarify, Will just texted saying that he is exactly saying what Evelyn and Rhonda said. That if our church cares about equipping the saints for local ministry, why doesn't the budget affirm that? So Rhonda wants to vote on adding, so that's 500 for children's curriculum. As far as equipping the other things, adults, I think that's a conversation that we can have in mind for the that deserves okay I'm at a slight disadvantage of not being able to hear everything that was said with all your masks on but um and Um, 
So the first thought is to vote on adding from 150 to 500 for the children's ministry to cover curriculum. Or I guess add 500, so it would be 650. So that's the first part. The second part is to agree that we should add more money to equipping the saints for local ministry. But the vote is to pause on that until we can have a strategic planning meeting on how this coming year we want to equip the church to then figure out how much that would actually cost. So that would require a future vote after some planning happens. So vote one is add 500 to the children's ministry budget. And then the second one is, I guess, if it requires a vote or not, is to table um, the desire to add money for equipping the saints until we can meet and talk about how we can do that and how much it would cost. So we have a choice, uh, but we need a motion to act on it. One is to modify the budget right now, and the other is to have a planning session. No. Modify for yeah. children, plan for adults. We want to modify the children's ministry budget and then plan later on for the adults. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are. I've been properly calibrated. The uh, motion that could be made is to increase the Sunday school by 500 and also have a planning session to look at increasing the discipleship amount to better reflect uh, our overall strategy for the year, um, which may shift as COVID goes away. But um, Sure. All right. All right. Do I do I hear a motion to increase the line item for children's uh, ministry? Would be uh, break out the Sunday school, increase the Sunday school by five hundred, targeting it for children. Okay. Motion. See Rhonda's hand to make the motion, and I see. Caitlin's to second. Any other discussion on the motion to increase that line item to better reflect our desire to grow the children's program? Okay, not appearing. All those in favor of the motion, signify raising your right hand. All those that are opposed, signify by raising your left hand. I don't see any negative votes here. Give, uh, give it a second for online because there's a slight delay, okay? Yeah, I'll let you uh, collect the votes from online. Yeah. 
No dissenting votes online to that one. Okay, no dissenting votes online. No dissenting vote. Okay, so uh, we have one dissenting vote and then a letter positive. So all those in favor of increasing the children's budget line signify raising your right hand. We did that, and now we've gotten the input from online, so the motion passed. Uh, the second comment was to have a work group look at how we can increase the discipleship line, also to better reflect our desire to reach out and touch people's lives and train them and grow them in wisdom and knowledge of the word. So, um, does anyone want to make a motion to that effect? Sure, I will. All right, I see a sure I will hand over here. Gene Smith uh, makes the motion. Do I hear a second? Second up there, A second uh, from one of our online um, participants. Who was that? No, hold on a second. We're still on the $500. We've, we've got two online now that are dissenting on the $500, just so you know. It's not unanimous, that's all I'm saying. Okay. We've got two. You know votes on the $500. Okay. There was a motion now to study the discipleship line that was uh, made by Gene. Is there a second? Okay. And we have a second from an online participant. From me, specifically. Okay. Okay. The ministers like Gene and Devin. Uh, any other discussion on that? And that's a motion to study the increase in the discipleship line. All those in favor of the motion to form a study group to look at discipleship signify by raising your right hand. Now motion to study group. And all those that are opposed to studying ways that we can execute discipleship signify by raising your right hand. Okay, motion is passed from this level. We need to wait a couple of minutes for the Zoom needs to log in. Two. 
So motion two, uh, we have a motion that is passed, and uh, we will make sure we make a priority as a leadership team. Okay, other uh, aspects of the budget that you would like to discuss? Okay. Um, do I hear a motion to adopt the budget as amended? I see Caitlin's hand. Do I hear a second? Gene's hand. Um, Caitlin and Marion, Gene Smith. Do any other discussion on the budget? All right. None appearing will proceed to vote. And that includes our online friends. All those in favor of the motion as amended signify by raising your right hand. Great. All those are opposed by like sign. All right. Boyd, we will wait on you. For the benefit of those that are here, we will have a business meeting to close out 2020. And I would recommend we also have a business meeting after the end of March in order to look at how our online giving is going and whether it sustains the budget. I think you should be aware, and it's in the second page of your handout, that we have a very healthy bank account. So keep that in mind as you think to the future. Um, we're still well off, but we still need to have a balanced budget. I'm sorry. I said we should praise the Lord for providing. We will do that. <laughs> yeah. How's the voting coming? All right. So um, we have a budget for next year. Um, we need to pray to the Lord that he will honor our desire to reach children and also to uh, make a difference outside the walls of the church. Um, any other business to come before us at this time? Uh, none appearing. I'm going to ask Ademi, if he would, uh, to uh, close us in prayer. And I want to thank you for your hearts. Uh, Ademi, you want to do the honors? Oh, just put them in the back table. Oh, back, just face down. If they feel comfortable, just... Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So if uh, anybody joining us online, if you do have someone to nominate for as a deacon, uh, either just bring in the form next time you come, mail it in, or uh, just you can, I guess, do it in the, do it in the, on the Zoom chat right now, if you'd like. So uh, let, me, uh, let me pray. Uh, Father, we... We do thank you and praise you for your gracious provision uh, through this difficult year. Lord, and we look forward to all that you are going to do. We pray that you would help us and continue to give us wisdom and guidance. And we pray that you would continue to, uh, uh, to, to, to grow your church, to continue to build your church. We thank you, Lord. We trust you for all of these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now we're adjourned. Well, you got to vote. You'd have a motion, make a motion to close. Okay. Um. <laughs>
Smith uh, seconded. All those in favor signify raising your right hand. All those are opposed by like sign. Mission adjourned. A mission adjourned. <laughs> Meeting adjourned.